This, 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 Hiya, I'm Adam. Welcome to the Fight Disciples podcast and episode 17 out for the count. We are going to be celebrating a fantastic UFC 199 show which saw Michael Bisping become the first British mixed martial artist to become world champion. Against all the odds as well. Everything that built up to this fight was stacked against him. But he managed to pull it off in spectacular fashion. What does this now mean for the UK market when it comes to UFC? Will it finally blow up? Will a mainstream broadcaster finally get their hands on this sport that we love and send it into living rooms right across the UK? Well, that's what we're going to be discussing uh, over the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, my colleague, Nick Pete, and editor of Fighters Only magazine, uh, is sadly away from the studio. So... As ever, when we're talking mixed martial arts, let's get him on the phone and have a bit of a chat. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, mate. Yeah, very well. Big, big news that uh, Michael Bisping becomes world champ after 10 years within the UFC. This is massive for UK mixed martial arts and uh, the progress of uh, the UFC within uh, UK borders. Of course, it is. You know, it's phenomenal, not just, uh, as you say, for Michael Bisping's career. He deserves it. You know, he's been... Uh, He's been the flag bearer for British MMA in the UFC for 10 years now. So it's, uh, you know, he's paid his dues, if you like. If anybody deserves it, he certainly does. But what it does, it takes the sport to a whole new level, Adam, as you just pointed out. Conor McGregor's blew up over the last couple of years. You know, he's taken the UFC and the, and the attraction and the mainstream acceptance of UFC, certainly on this side of the Atlantic, to whole new levels because he's such a superstar. But Michael Bisman was the first guy there. He was the first prominent UK guy in the UFC. He won the Ultimate Fighter in Season 3. He's been around forever and a day. And to be honest, um, and Michael Bisman will be first to admit it, we thought this chance had gone. We didn't think we would see Michael Bisman in the title fight because he's had so many final eliminators. I think we've lost count now. Yeah. He's put, you know, he's, and he keeps losing the final eliminator. He kept losing that one fight. That would get him closer. But this year, what a year it's been for him. You know, I was down in London. He beat Anderson Silva. It was sensational to get that performance against the former champion. That put him in a position where he was the next in line with this last weekend's fight due to be Chris Weidman against Luke Rockhold. As soon as Weidman got injured, there was only one person that was going to take the call. To take the call within 17 days, though, to step up and fight Luke Rockhold, who... Just last week, Adam, I was saying to you, it's probably the best middleweight we've seen since Anderson in his prime. You know, I couldn't see anyone that was going to knock Luke Rockhold off this pitch. But, my God, did Michael Bisping do it in style at the weekend with those two left hooks? No, absolutely. And like you say, massive cojones to step up at uh, such short notice uh, in order to take this fight on. And as you would say, for for the casual fan that wakes up Sunday morning, realising, because mainstream media are now covering this. Mainstream media, big national newspapers, big national TV stations here in the UK are talking about a UFC world champion coming from these shores. With a fantastic accent, by the way. I know that he uh, obviously resides in the States, (laughs) but he is from my neck of the woods, mate. He's up from near Clitheroe. So I I, I see a lot of that uh, Lancashire tone with a little bit of uh, a Californian twang, which is always a little bit confusing. I might go for one of them myself. Do you reckon I I could pull it off? I reckon you could pull it off, yeah, Yeah. I'll have a go with it. But with all this mainstream media now following this, the light is now starting to shine 
uh, on the UFC. I mean, there seems to have been in the past. Obviously, it's the biggest growing sport in the Ameri- in America. America love it. Um, but here in the UK, there seems to be this, it's, it's drip feed. It's just tip, 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 tip. And it's kind of been waiting for one of our stars to go and win a world title. Is this now the catalyst for this to blow up into the mainstream media? Well, yeah, you'd like to think it is going to be. You know, as I say, with, with Conor McGregor breaking down barriers himself, you know, there's no bigger sport in Ireland now than mixed martial arts because of Conor McGregor. As you say, it's, it's all over American TV. It's on Fox Sports in the U.S., the problem in the UK is MMA and specifically the UFC, which is the creme de la creme of MMA, as we know, it's never really had a, a stable home on television in the UK. Mm. It was on Satanta, it was on ESPN, it's now on BT Sport. You know, it just seems to get fished around all the time. Now, this summer is going to be a big summer for the sport. And the time of Bisbon's victory, having the first ever UK-born uh, champion couldn't have been any better because their current deal with BT Sport runs out on July 31st. So from August the 3rd, we may well have a new broadcaster for the UFC in the UK. Now I know the BBC are in talks, mm-hmm. and no Sky Sports are in talks, I know BT Sport are in talks with the UFC as well. Yeah. But what Michael Bisbon's victory may have wanted may have just tipped the scale. You know, it might have just added another zero to a check. It might have just added another commitment from one of those t- mainstream. Bro- you know, imagine if the UFC signed a deal with the BBC. Massive. I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to be on BBC who, uh, BBC One every other night. But what I'm saying is, the fact that the BBC would be covering it both online, digital, in print. You know, everything is huge. It would. It would absolutely break down those barriers to the mainstream mainstream home audience. So uh, the timing couldn't have been any better in those regards. And now we've just got to keep our fingers crossed. But, you know, I'm, I'm down in London today. I'm with the, I'm with the fighters-only team down here in London. And we, we all keep looking at each other and going, it, it did happen, didn't it? He <laughs> <laughs> did win, didn't he? Michael Bristol did win. You know, it's, uh, it's phenomenal, you know. And I, I text Mike on Sunday just to wish him all the best and obviously see if we can get an interview. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I know he was drunk for at least 24 hours in the aftermath. So, uh, mate, he's from Clitheroe, mate. He's from my neck of the woods. Of course he's going to be drunk. He's going to be drunk till Christmas, mate. You're never going to see him back in the octagon. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding him now going forward, obviously Rockhold has already called him out. Even at the post-presser, he called him out. And there's some unsavory scenes there between the pair of them shouting back and forth and some unsavory language between the pair of them. Uh, but Mike's, in a way, he's kind of correct in saying that Luke Rockhold now goes to the back of the queue. You know, you've been beaten, you go to the back of the queue. You would yep. anticipate that the next boy in line for that would be, I've, I've said to you previously, that my favourite middleweight is, other than Bispin, obviously, is uh, Jacare Souza, who fought Ooh. at UFC 198. You, do you think they're going to be lining that up, maybe for uh, New York at the end of the year? Well, Jacare is definitely in with a shout, unfortunately for Jacare. You know, it's, uh, it, I think if... if if Rockhold had beaten Bisping convincingly, which is what the bookies thought he was going to do and most people thought he was going to do, I think Jacare would have probably got the next shot because Chris Weidman, the former champion, is still struggling with injury. Mm. Uh, not surprisingly, also in the aftermath of Rockhold calling Bisping out saying he, you know, he wants a straight return, suddenly Chris Weidman seems to, be, seems to have made 100% recovery now as well because <laughs> he's calling for the fight. So uh, the thing with Mike is, you know, he's... He's, uh, his, his, his loose lips have, haven't made many friends inside the octagon, so he certainly won't be short on potential opponents. But I think it'll probably be out of those three. At least it'll be Rockhold, Wyvern, or potentially Jacques Array. But right now, I'm just hoping that they, 
as I say, they capitalise on this this the fact that we've got a UK champion yeah. and bring it to the UK. You know, I'm hearing whispers of the Millennium Stadium towards the end of the year. Imagine Michael Bispin against you know any of those three at the Millennium Stadium in November, December. What a sensational way to to end the year! But what a what a sensational way for a new broadcaster potentially or a new deal with BT Sports to really build towards a, a grandstand event here in the UK with the first UFC title fight on these shores for a very long time. Well, Business Sense says that is exactly the way that they should go. Like you said, they've got their first UK champion now and if there's a new broadcaster involved, they'll probably stick a few quid behind it. The UFC... They're very ambitious dudes, the UFC. They want to be worldwide, don't they? I mean, you, yep. see, you see all these shows that they are putting on in Eastern Europe, but they've recently done one, as you said, that you were at Octagon side in the, in the London show. They yep. want to be a global entity and not just based over in the South America and over in America. They don't want to do that. They want to, they want to break out. This now is the perfect opportunity to, to run with that a little bit and trying to capitalise on it because this is the moment for it to break out into the UK. Exactly, they're not going to have a better time. You know, we've got a sensational superstar in Conor McGregor that, you know, is, is massive, but he's been restricted to US right now. You know, we, we haven't seen much of him. He's been back in Ireland, but we haven't seen any of Conor McGregor on, on, on mainland UK. You know, we haven't seen him on UK shores. Mm. He's yet to be wheeled out over here because I know that the, the requests for interviews from, from national press in the UK is miles long to speak to Conor. So you combine Conor with the fact that we've got a another world champ, you know, a world champion actually from England as well. Yet two of them doing a bit of a media tour around the British Isles and Ireland. You can make you'd sell out Millennium Stadium, no problem. Even if Connor wasn't on the card, you know, this is the opportunity the UFC have been building towards. The TV deal is massive, Adam. You know, the TV deal. It's great that they're on BT Sport. It's great that they get that exposure. Yeah. But the golden goose in this country, rather like Fox Sports in America, is Sky Sports. You know, everybody wants to be on Sky. Sky's a big attraction, but it speaks volumes about the UFC and where they and the way they look at things. Is that they're, they're speaking to ITV, they're speaking to BBC. If this, BBC goes, if this goes terrestrial, yeah, if this goes terrestrial, uh, that's me being an old man there talking terrestrial yeah. TV from back in the day. The BBCs and the ITVs of this world. If one of those gets the deal then that, for me, is the game changer. Sky Sports is obviously, like you said, the golden goose. But if the BBC put the money behind it, then that, for me, is the game changer. That then puts it into so many living rooms. And the, the, thing, with the, the thing with the UFC as well is they will, they will commit to a BBC deal knowing what it will do for the sport, even if it's financially not as strong an option as, say, Sky or even BT. Because yeah. they know it's not like in America. You know, they still need, they need to wrestle in the UK would unlock a huge market. You do five years of terrestrial TV, then you go on to Sky Sports, then you do Sky Box Office, and suddenly this market becomes a pay-per-view market. Well, that's the, the, that's, the path well. Of, that's the path of domestic boxing, what we've experienced. We experienced exactly. it through the 90s of uh, ITV and various yeah. things like that. Now it's on Sky, and now we're in the pay-per-view world, and we've got 13 uh, boxing champions, and obviously our 14th now uh, with uh, Michael Bisping, if you count the world of UFC. That's the way that, hopefully, that it will go for uh, UFC in this country. Yeah, fingers crossed. As you say, there's never been a better time. It's a huge summer. What an amazing achievement from Bisping. You know, nobody, even his own young son, uh, in the countdown show, his own son, predicted Rock Holmes was going to win. So that kind of tells you <laughs> how up against it Mike was. But, uh, you know, all is forgiven for the fact that he wore a Man United shirt two weeks before the fight. Uh, he won the belt, and that's the main thing. And the UK, England have got ourselves our first ever UFC champion. And to be honest, you know what? No one deserves it more than Mike Bisping because he's been a pioneer for the UFC, for mixed martial arts in the UK. 
you know, he's the most successful mixed martial artist this, this country's ever produced. So it's really fitting that he's, he's the one to break down that barrier to win the UFC belt. And, you know, I don't care whether he loses the belt in his first defense or whatever else, because in 2016, he's beat Anderson Silva, and now he's beat Luke Rockhold, who's the UFC middleweight champion of the world. And at Christmas, if you'd have told Michael Bisman that's what he was getting in 2016, you have absolutely bit your arm off for it. So and Phenomenal. to become level with US uh, UFC victories with uh, Georges Saint Pierre, nineteen victories apiece. Can't beat that, can you? That's a nice little record to get at the weekend as well. Uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Conor McGregor's name a couple of times there, and obviously on the card at the weekend, the UFC one nine nine show, uh, they did announce that Diaz McGregor part two has officially been made. It's going to happen at UFC two or two. Uh, which mm-hmm. is happening in uh, Viva Las Vegas, August the 20th, which kind of coincides nicely with that TV deal that you've just been mentioning there, Nick. Superb for the yeah. British fight fans. Do we yeah. have any confirmation of what weight classes is going to be at? Yeah. It's, it's going to be at welterweight. So they're going to fight at £170? Yes. Conor is adamant that he would only return to fight Nate Diaz. He was adamant that he will only fight Nate Diaz at welterweight. He is adamant that he wants to... to he wants a second crack in exactly the same format of the guy that took his UFC, you know, his UFC unbeaten records from him. He doesn't want to change anything. It's, you know, is it ego? Is it down to his own confidence? I don't. It, it's baffling to know why. It's why ego. Come on, it's ego, isn't it? This is what it is. He's been beaten at 170. He wants to write that wrong. That's what it is, isn't it? Because the easier exactly fight, is, yeah. the easier fight is to just say, "Listen, man." I'm the one four five champ. Let's go to one five five. That's the natural step, isn't it? Well, Nick Diaz is a one five five fighter anyway. It's his brother Nick that's a one seventy fighter. Yeah. So he'd be more comfortable doing one five five. Both of these guys are going to have to train up, you know, or eat up if you like to one seventy. They're not one natural one seventy fighters. It wouldn't surprise me if both of them came in substantially under 170, potentially around 160, mm. 165, because neither of them, as I said, with, all, with a full 10-week training camp behind them, neither of them are welterweights, naturally. So it's, uh, as you say, it's down to Conor. Conor wants this fight. It's, you know, it's costing the UFC a lot of money because Nate Diaz knows he, owns, he holds a lot of strength now <laughs> with this rematch. So Nate Diaz has never wanted to uh, miss an opportunity. So... Native. That's why the that's why the uh, conversation has taken so long, and the, the fight to be confirmed has taken so long because Conor's adamant he wants it exactly on the same terms, and Nate is adamant. Well, if you want it exactly on those terms, you're going to have to pay me. So it's been a difficult. It's probably one of the hardest fights I think in the history of the UFC have had to make yeah. in terms of getting these both these guys to sign the dotted line. But it's happening. It's going down in August at two o two, and uh, you know it's. Connor putting pressure on himself again because you know what if he loses his second fight to Napier? Is he going to fight Napier the third time? So it's it's uh, I think we're going to see a very different Conor McGregor yeah. in this fight. I think we will. Obviously, I don't think he's going to gas uh, out. I don't think he's going to come out throwing bombs. Well, he can't. He can't because he knows now Napier can take his best shots. Yeah. So he can't do that. He's got to be a lot more rounded. The problem is if the fight goes to the floor, you've got to back Napier again to get another submission. So it's a it's a it's a huge gamble, I think, on Conor McGregor's behalf because you know he's he's got all this mainstream attention. The entire world is in love with him and what a superstar he can become. But we only stick with superstars when they're winning. And if he's yeah. suffered a second defeat, how many people will tune in a third time? Mm. 
So it's a, it's a tough one for Conor, and I can understand why the UFC probably themselves didn't even want to do this again, certainly not at 170, but he's got, he's got what he wants. He's the golden goose of the UFC. We've spoken about this before. He generates so much money for the organisation that you know, they, they've made to his demands, I feel like, and the fight's going to happen. The thing I like about it is that he's daring to be great. We spoke about that many, many times. He's daring yeah. to be great. If he pulls it off, then all of a sudden he's uh, he's back on cloud nine and flying once again and he'll be a nightmare in them uh, press conferences once again. Uh, just before we get to uh, 202, obviously there's two more events before that and the next one along the line is the big one. It's UFC 200. Everybody's talking about UFC 200 because of the amount of top talent like John Jones that is on that card. Uh, yeah. But at the weekend, UFC 199, they were advertising the next one that's coming up and there was a little glimpse at the end of the promo video of a former star, a man that's not been in the octagon for four years, former heavyweight champ, and obviously now WWE star. Yeah. Brock Lesnar coming back to the UFC. Mental. Isn't it? Absolutely mental. How awesome was it when they played it, Jordan LeBron? Mate, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was the best video I've ever seen. And then when I saw the video come up at the end, I was going, no! They just put Brock on the end of the video! And then they just kind of squeaked him in at the end, and then when they went back to cage side at 199, did you see Joe Rogan's face when he was turning to Mike Goldegger? Like, he even looks surprised, what? didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Is, is that happening? Is that yeah. real? Is, is that really happening? And he was like, yeah, yeah, he's really happening. Brock Lesnar is back. And he's like, who's he fighting? Who is he fighting? Do we, have we got any rumours on who he is fighting? Confirmed less than an hour ago, Mark Hunt. No! Seriously? What a fight that is. Brock Lesnar versus Mark Hunt, UFC 200. Oh, good gracious. Wow. So we've got John Jones, Daniel Cormier uh, yeah. on UFC 200. And now, obviously, blooming heck, which one's, the, which one's the top fight on there? Because obviously there's so many other great fights on there. Which one's the big one? At the moment, all we know is that both have been called co-headliners. So I'd be surprised if John Jones, Cormier isn't the headliner. But uh, Brock versus Mark Hunt, wow, what a fight that is. What a to me, it's it come from completely from left field. We've been, obviously we've been chatting about it in the office today, and I, I don't think anyone predicted it was going to be Mark Hunt. But then, when you start breaking it down, makes sense. Well, Ben Rosser was tied up. He's fighting for the Silverdo. Steve Mayochik, the champion, tied up. He's fighting Alastair Overeem. Andre Arlovski's tied up. You know, when you look at the guys in the top ten, they're all kind of tied up. Except Mark Hunt, he was the only one that didn't have a fight that he was committed to. So I don't know whether it's a case of, right, we've got blocked, we've kind of got to confirm, let's confirm the spike in UFC 200, it's done. Um, and then they are got to go, okay, uh, who's he going to fight again? Oh, who's available? Let's have a look. Oh, no, we've only got Mark Hunt, possibly the biggest, hardest puncher in the division. <laughs> and we're talking about Brock, who's in his previous guys of the UFC. Can't take fighter, a bank. Couldn't take a punch. It's it's insane. It's insane, but it's brilliant, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant stuff. So the theatre uh, of the UFC, my friend, the theatre—that's the beautiful thing of it. And if you're uh, uh, um, from the BBC or ITV, listen to this right now. Put your hand in your pocket and put it in our living room. <laughs> this is what we want <laughs> yeah. to see. Listen, I'll let you get back to uh, your day job, Max. I know you're grafting down there, obviously, with the uh, office switch and what have you. Always a pleasure. What a great weekend it was. UFC 199. Roll on UFC 200. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.